Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne, and I am the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. Yeah, you hear that? That's what you call fofo silence. Yeah, there's no fofo. There's no Jimmy here. Jimmy is feeling under the weather. Normally, this is a podcast hosted by myself, Joe Thorne, and Jimmy Fowler, an executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. And uh, But Jimmy's not feeling well. He's got the little owie. So uh, he's got the little tummy boo-boo. So uh, yeah, it's just me. It's just me today. I'm sorry that we missed Thursday because of um, of Jimmy's little boo boo, but uh, but you know what? I thought let's just let's just keep it going, and uh, Jimmy will be back soon. Won't be a problem, and uh, and we'll be good to go. But uh, I wanted to say thank you, especially to those of you who support us. Uh, by sharing the love, by telling people about this podcast, that really does mean a lot uh, to us. It's encouraging, and we want as many people to listen to this as possible. The uh, the breadth of of listeners that we have is actually very cool. It's not just a bunch of Reformed Baptists. We have everything from Presbyterians to non denominational and charismatic and uh, and uh, Calvinists and non Calvinists and everything else. It's a it's a good group of people that really want to be about Jesus and uh, and aren't mad about it, which uh, which I like a lot. Um, so thank you for supporting us by sharing the word. Thank you for those of you who leave reviews for us. It's really helpful when you leave a review for us on iTunes. Uh, you know, preferably a, you know, a high review would be good. You know, I'd rather have that than something low and and not so flattering. But hey, you know what? Just go with your conscience. If you can't just do what I ask, then just go with your conscience. What can I say? Um, and then a very special thanks to those of you who support the podcast financially by being a part of uh, the All Access membership. Uh, those of you that support uh, us by being a part of All Access, uh, as you know, uh, you get extra podcasts. You get Banter of Truth uh, released on Tuesdays and um, you get our devotions five days a week. And so we're excited to be doing that. Thank you, and uh, we hope that that's an encouragement to you. Now, listen, today we're back in the Baptist Catechism, and we're looking at question 108. We're going through the Lord's Prayer in this, and right now we're on the first petition. We have already gone through the preface, uh, Our Father who is in heaven, and now we're on to the first petition. Question 108 says, What do we pray for in the first petition? The answer, in the first petition which is hallowed be thy name, we pray that God would enable us and others to glorify him in all that whereby he maketh himself known and that he would dispose all things to his own glory. So here we are looking at the Lord's Prayer and it's that very first request. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. To hallow God, I mean, Halloween God, not Halloween, not Halloween. Uh, Halloween is a holiday, um, but uh, Halloween or to hallow God is to honor him as holy. That's what it means to hallow something. Um, it's to mark it as holy, to separate it, to sanctify it. And what we're praying for is that God's name would be hallowed, that his name would be holy. And the reason this is important to us as, as believers and in our prayers is because we want to see God himself lifted up, exalted in the hearts, in the minds of all men and women. We want to see God glorified in the world, but we want it to start with us, right? And so 
The reason, though, that it says, hallowed be thy name is because the name of God relates to his very person. And if you start going through the various names of God that you find in the Old Testament, for example, El, Elohim, El Shaddai, Adonai, uh, they all are revealing progressively more and more about who he is. And so we've got explicit teaching and explanations and exposition of the nature of God in Scripture, but even his name in Scripture or his names tell us something, right? So El means uh, God, mighty, strong, uh, a prominent, uh, powerful Elohim means creator, right? The creator who is mighty and strong. Uh, El Shaddai is God almighty. He has all power. power. He is omnipotent or Adonai. Adonai is translated Lord, but it's the, it's the word that, um, that the Jews used to use in replace of Yahweh because the name Yahweh was God's most holy, most sacred name uh, because it speaks to his eternality, his essence. I am who I am. To, to hollow the name of God is to see that God himself is glorified. And and we're familiar with this. I know if you're a listener to this podcast, if you're at least comfortable in the Calvinistic world, then you're familiar with man's chief end. You know, what we read in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which question one is, is what is the chief end of man? Which is a question that means what is humankind's reason for existence? What is the primary reason we are here? And that's collectively as human beings and individually as well. And the answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So it's, it's one thing, it's a chief end that is made up of these two parts to glorify God and to enjoy him. And if you are properly glorifying God, you will enjoy him. And if you, you, you can't properly enjoy him unless you are glorifying him, it all goes together, right? When you are rightly and righteously enjoying God, delighting in him, then he is glorified. I think John Piper said, sort of tweaked the wording of this. And he said uh, that man's chief end is to glorify God by enjoying him. And that's a fine way to take it, but I wouldn't say that's the only way to, to look at it. And I don't think he does either. But the second question in the Westminster Catechism continues this line of thinking. So man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So the next logical question is, okay, well, and how do I do that? Like, I really want to glorify God. If you've been born again by the Spirit, if you, if you know God, if you love God, if you believe in Him, then you have a desire to bring Him glory. So the question is, how? Now, in the children's catechism, right, the old children's catechism for Baptists was, uh, you know, why did God make you in all things? And the answer is, for His glory. And then the next question is, is how may we glorify God? And the answer is, by loving Him and doing as He commands for the children and it's really good right it's not just naked blind dutiful obedience but it is obedience that stems from affection to love god and to do as he says he's glorified when we believe when we love when we obey but here in the westminster shorter catechism question two says what rule hath god given to us how we may glorify and enjoy him the answer is the word of god which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. So 
in our praying, Jesus is encouraging us to seek the glory of God, that God's name would be hallowed, that this would be our first petition, our primary petition. And I actually like the way that, uh, that the catechism words this, the Baptist catechism, because it says in the first petition, which is hallowed be thy name, we pray that God would enable us and others to glorify him us and others. So we desire to be a people, to be individuals who glorify God. That's our first aim. We want to be those who lift up his name, who sing his praise, who testify to who he is. We want to be people that proclaim his excellencies, to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness and into light. That's a big deal. But we're not satisfied with it just being something that we experience. We also want others to glorify God. We want everyone to share and rejoice in God's glory. Now, why? Why is that? Why do people who love the Lord want to glorify God and want others to glorify Him? Now, I think sometimes the world looks at this and they think, like, well, that's just because you're controlling and you want everybody to be like you and you want everybody to be on your team. And that's not it at all. The reason that we want everyone to glorify God is because God deserves the glory he deserves everyone's love and admiration and honor and worship and obedience. He's worthy of it. He's the creator, the sustainer. He is the Lord. And when you come to see that, you want, every, you want him to get all of the glory that he deserves in this world. But also, if you love your neighbor, if you love the people that are made in God's image, then you want them to glorify God First, for God's pleasure, but also secondarily for their own good, because they were made for that. And they can't really be the people that they were created to be apart from the God who made them. But this is how the world tries to live. So yes, we are hungry to glorify God when we're thinking rightly. We desire others to glorify God, and this is reflected in our prayers. We want God's glory to be... Well, you know what? We want it to be lifted up by every single creature that has breath. You know that, you know, Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud crash clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Puts a stamp on the end of it. We want it to be something that we do and that others do. We want it to be true of us, but we want it to also be a collective reality. And not only this, but part of our prayer is that God would dispose all things to his own glory. So yeah, we want God to be glorified in everything, in all things. And we know that God works for his own glory in all things, that he's created all things for himself. In fact, there's a book by John Piper that there's a, I like, there's a few books that I like by John Piper. Um, and a lot of people talk about desiring God. But the pleasures of God or the pleasure of God, I can't remember if it's pleasure or pleasures. That book, I, I thought that book was better. I really liked it because the whole point of the book is that God does what he does for his own pleasure, for his own glory. 
And it's so thoroughly biblically establishing this truth that I, I love it. Let me just give you one verse, Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 17. Speaking of Jesus, it says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. There's so much packed into those three verses. But the one thing that's most relevant to what I'm talking about right now is that Jesus is the one through whom all things were created. All things were created through him. So there's nothing that exists that doesn't exist because of Jesus. But it's the second part that's really telling. All things were created through him and for him. So whether you believe in him or not, you exist for Jesus. You are on this planet by the will of God and you exist for the pleasure of God. The question is, is are you going to seek him? Are you going to seek to glorify him? Because that's what we're talking about in prayer here. Right? This is Jesus teaching us to pray. The disciples come to Jesus and they're like, well, how do we pray? How do we, how are we supposed to do this? Because even though, you know, we've been raised in a culture that, uh, that lifts up the name of God, that we've been taught to pray by our parents, but Jesus, we need you to help us learn how to pray. And maybe they're asking this because they see Jesus praying all the time. And maybe, maybe like you, the disciples were convicted about their lack of prayer or maybe any insincerity in their prayer or inconsistency in their prayer. And so Jesus says, okay, well, here's how you pray. And he does different things. He tells parables to teach us how to pray. And he, but he gives us this example prayer, this model prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does this do for us in prayer? Why does, why does seeking God's hallowing or the, the seeking God's glory in prayer, why is that so important? So think about it this way. What is it that you pray for on the regular? Like, what are you, what are you all wrapped up in? What, what burdens are you carrying? What, what petitions do you constantly lay before God? Think about the thing that you pray for the most, okay? Now, ask this question of yourself. Why do I ask for that? Why am I praying for that thing? Why is that so important? And maybe it's because you have particular needs. Or maybe it's that you have a, a, a dominating desire, and it's a good desire. It's not a bad desire. But maybe think of it this way. How does God's glory fit into my prayer for that thing? In other words, are you praying for God's glory in your prayer life? Do you, do you seek it? I mean, is, is the glory of God a part of your reasoning even? I've, I've shared it before on the podcast and it's like, um, I, I would pray for my parents before their conversion. My mom has since passed on, but before my parents were converted, I prayed for them all the time. And for years, my prayer was very simple most of the time. And it was just, uh, hey, Lord, uh, save my, my mom and dad. Because what else was I going to say? In my mind, I didn't really know what to say. I was like, well, um, you know, it's up to God to convert them. I've shared the gospel with them. So God, uh, you know, bring some people into their lives, more people to share the gospel with them. And, uh, and pray that you'd open their eyes, you know, change their heart. You know, but I'd keep it very simple. And... And honestly, the, the 
the directness and simplicity and the brevity of it all it actually cooled down the affection of my prayer. And then I started reading this book, The Bible in the, in the Closet by uh, Thomas Watson and Samuel Lee. And in that book, uh, it was the first time I was really confronted, particularly in the Reformed tradition or the Puritan tradition, to, to reason with God. And, and what the author was arguing in the section on the closet or the section on prayer was you need to give God reasons for the things you ask. And no, it's not that God doesn't know, but this is the nature of prayer. Look in scripture and see how, how, the, how the people in scripture reason with God. And give, in other words, they, we, get, we should be giving God reasons to answer us. So I began to pray for my parents differently then. Then I would begin to pray, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would convert my mom and dad, that you would change their hearts and give them the gift of faith, that you'd cause them to be born again, whatever. Because, there, it would be followed by a because, because if you were to do this, it would bring me so much joy because I need a mom and a dad to pray with. I love them and I want them, I want to know them in this world and in the next. I want to know them and share the, our creator together. I want to be able to pray with my parents. You know, so there was something for me in it, but it would ultimately always wind up, Lord, if you were to convert my parents, especially in their later years, what glory would this bring to you? You know, people tend to think that they're established and, 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 and set in their ways and they're immovable. They've got their routine down, you know, they're, they're on the, the back half uh, of their lives. And yet, if you were to convert them, it would be such a demonstration of your power, of your kindness, of your patience, of your generosity. Lord, you would be glorified in converting them. So make God's glory a part of your reasoning and your pleading. Because this is how we're supposed to actually pray. We're not just asking God for stuff that we want. We're seeking God's glory in our deepest desires and longings. So, yeah, hallowed be thy name. This is this this should be a regular normal part of the way that we commune with our God. Well, we always want to hear your thoughts, so uh, you can contact us or interact with us online, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, at Doc and Devo. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash doctrine and devotion. And of course, we want you to come to our website and to check it out. It's a great website. It's got all the stuff there. It's got our, our blog articles, and uh, we have our videos up there, and of course, our podcasts are up there as well. You can listen to them on the website. And we'd encourage you to subscribe. If you're not a subscriber, subscribe to us through your favorite pod catcher. Um, of course, tell your friends about it. Let us let them know that uh, that they can jump on and uh, and be a part of it. And uh, yeah, we hope that uh, that we can continue to encourage you through a perspective on the Christian life that is true of the Reformed tradition, but perhaps somewhat unique to us as normally it's uh, Pastor Jimmy and me. Uh, chopping it up together and uh, sharing with you guys what's on our hearts or what we're thinking about. Later. Later.